Today, we're, we're going to start, I'm going to share a devotional thought with you all today, and then um, we're going to start this series um, this month, just trying to look at, you know, some things during the Christmas season. We're going to call it giving up on Christmas. Can you say giving up on Christmas? Really, Pastor? We're going to give up on Christmas? Well, during the season that's marked with, you know, all the holiday parties, all the gifted changes, all of the holiday sales, all of the cookies. Please don't forget the cookies. During this season, we tend to pick up a lot of things, don't we? We pick up a lot of things during the season. Like we pick up some sweaters that we'll never wear any other time of the year, right? We pick up that mini griddle that nobody else would steal from us at the Yankee Swap. We don't know what to do with that thing. I can barely fry one egg on it. You know, we pick up a lot of things like those stubborn pounds that just won't leave. Some of us, we, we pick up a little bit of an extra balance on those credit cards, buying all those gifts that we want to give to everybody else and all this stuff. We pick up a lot of things. And then we also tend to pick up some other junk like, you know, dissatisfaction, offenses, discontentment, irritation, lack of patience. We, we tend to pick up a lot of things and more during this time. So over the next few weeks, we're going to just be talking about a couple of things uh, that we're going to give up, some things that we need to give up that are weighing us down and slowing us down and stopping us from encountering what God wants for us. If you're with me, say amen. And so today, as we begin talking about this, just thinking about this idea, we're going to spend some time having uh, communion together. I want to anchor this key thought in your mind. And it's very simple. More doesn't mean better. That's it. Let's say it together. More doesn't mean better. Now go ahead. Tell, tell your neighbor. Say it one more time. More doesn't mean better. Because think about it. What good is having more of what doesn't matter? I would much rather have more of what's significant. I'd much rather have more of what is everlasting. I'd much have more of what makes a difference. More is not always better. And so I want us to think about this because our culture, especially right now, I may be, you know, a few days too late in bringing this message to you. We just had Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And the sales are still going on. Black Friday is gone. It's a Black Friday sale still going on until whatever day they want to just get you to spend some more money. Right? I may be a few days too late, but our culture is screaming again and again, always get more. You don't have enough. Just a little bit more. Like, you know what? They'll feel very special if you just get this. Like, you can't go without blah, blah, blah. Give yourself the gift of the perfect night's rest. Do the, you just look at the advertisements. It's incredible. 
But all of it, the common theme is go get more, buy more, so that my pockets, the company, you know, grows. Because you need this. Right? And this idea, go get more, 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 it goes all the way back to the beginning, doesn't it? Think about it. In the beginning of the Bible, the word tells us that God creates this paradise, calls it Eden. And then he goes and forms man out of the dust of the ground. And he makes man and he makes woman. And then he places man and woman in that garden. And he puts them both there naked. And he says, hey, be fruitful, multiply, enjoy. Guys, I don't know. It doesn't get any better than that. They're both naked. Go enjoy. Dominate. Be fruitful. Enjoy everything that's in this paradise. And then here comes a serpent. And semantically, the serpent starts saying, well, did God really say that you can't have any fruit from the tree? Semantics. He comes in and starts to just twist some things. Did God really say you can't have any? In the context of everything. The enemy comes in and says, did he say you can't have anything? So you've got all of these incredible blessings. It is beautiful here. You guys, did I say they're naked? Come on now. All right, I think I did. Okay, all right. Things are pretty good. They got a lot to eat. They've got a lot to enjoy. There is no toil yet. And yet the enemy is like, you need more. You need more. What you got ain't enough. There's that one tree right there. That's just one little tree that God said that you can't touch the fruit on that one tree. You need that one tree. You need that one. You don't have enough. You got to come over here. And so because of that, ever since then, it's been the same story. Ever since the garden, we've all been blessed beyond measure. We have so much that God has given us, and there's all of this thing, and yet for some reason our happiness happens to hinge on the thing that we don't yet have. Our fulfillment, our satisfaction, our completeness is on the thing that we look around and says, man, I got all this stuff, but yet, oh, I'm just missing that right there. And so, more doesn't always mean better. If we have, let me, let's just take a survey real quick. How many of you guys like taking a day off from work? If your boss called you today and says, you know what, tomorrow's Monday. You don't have to come into work tomorrow. How many of y'all, and he would say, or she would say, and by the way, this is not a trick, okay? You can actually have a day off, and doesn't matter. Whatever gets done doesn't get done. Everything is fine. You know what? On Tuesday, we pick up where we left off, and everyone's going to be happy. No one's stressed. It's all going to be, you're not going to be playing catch-up because you were off today. How many of y'all be like, man, this sounds like an amazing deal? So if one of those days is good, wouldn't two be better? No, no, don't take one. Take two days off. Man, revival just broke out in your life. 
You know, if you've got one buck in your pocket, two bucks would be better. No, Sharon? I've got one house, but maybe if I had a vacation house that I could go to, that, that would be even better, no? We have this idea of going for more. So look at Ecclesiastes with me, chapter 4. I want to anchor this text in our heart, and then we're going to jump into to Mark's gospel. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 6. Here's what Solomon says. He's teaching. He's, he's gone through a lot of things. This is the wise man. When God asks him, what can I give you? He says, God, give me wisdom to rule your people. God says to him, because you've asked for that, I'm going to give you wisdom and riches and renown and favor. And he adds onto his life incredible things. And so this is what Solomon this wise man actually says, if you're in Ecclesiastes 4, say amen. amen. Verse 6, the New American Standard Bible says it this way. One hand full of rest is better than two fists full of labor and striving after wind. Wow. Father, I thank you for this scripture. Lord, I recognize that you're in this place and you're able to do abundantly above all that I could ever ask or imagine. I recognize that your Holy Spirit is here and that you're moving on hearts. I pray that you would use me to speak to your people. Father, I recognize that in this place you've brought men and women here who need to start or restart a relationship with you. And I pray, God, today nothing impedes them from choosing the better thing. And Lord, I pray that also today there are people here who need a faith home and family where they can grow in the context of love and relationship and grow closer to you and work out their healing in the process of community. Today, I pray, Lord, nothing stops them from saying yes to Celebration International Church as their church home. Father, I recognize that before me is not a group of defeated, dejected people, but God, I'm looking at victorious men and women who are overcomers in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe that, say amen. 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 David, you got the faith confession? Can you put it up for us? I want you, before we jump into this thing, because I got a practical, practical devotional for you today. I want you to say this with me. Ready? We got it? Here we go. Pop it up on the screen. The applied word of God will change my life instantly. I actively embrace and embody its teachings. Pleasing God is my purpose. I walk in faith and not sight. I claim promises, pursue passionately, and prosper as my soul prospers. My faith is proof. In Jesus' name, amen. Say amen. Amen. One handful of rest is better than two fistfuls of labor and striving after the wind. One handful of peace, of joy, of tranquility, of calm is better than two handfuls of toil and straining and striving and working and chasing after the wind that comes and goes as it pleases. In other words, it's more doesn't mean better. More of this and more of that does not mean better. Why? Because your life is way too valuable 
And God is way too purposeful for you than for having you chase after the wind. Things that are here today and gone tomorrow. More is not better. Jesus warned about this when he was talking to two people who were fighting over an inheritance in Luke chapter 12. He talks to these two sons who are anticipating getting an inheritance and they're squabbling. And he says to them, beware. Whenever you have a scripture that starts with that word, beware. Watch out. Careful. You better perk up because... Either there's going to be some horrendous consequences or there are incredible dividends awaiting what lies after those words. Beware. Guard against every kind of greed, for life is not measured by how much you own. Luke 12, 15. What a stark contrast from what the culture of today speaks to us. It says you need more. You got to get more. You got to get better. You got to get enough. You don't have enough. So keep on going. The culture speaks this into our hearts and it blares this all the time all around us. Yet Jesus says, you are not what you have, Herman. You are not the house you live in, Janet. You are not the car you drive, Eleanor. You are not the stuff that you own. Your life is not consistent in the abundance of stuff. All of this is the enemy's trap. It's the enemy's trap because he wants us to work overtime to tie our happiness, our worth, our self-acceptance and value onto the things that we have. He gets us chasing and on the wheel. And once we're on the wheel, forget it. He can get us to feel insignificant, insecure, inadequate. Why? Because you never have enough when it comes to the enemy. There's always more somewhere else. The grass is always greener. There's always the next investment. There's always the next thing that you need because you know what? You're just not there yet. Didn't he say you can't have any fruit? That's the enemy's words. When he succeeds in getting you to think that you're fit based on the basis of your stuff, he's got you chasing the more, the more, the more, the more. Now consider this thought. Could it be that maybe your stuff is keeping you from the life that God intended? Could it be that maybe your stuff, the things that you have made your life about, the abundance of stuff and things and what you amass and what you accumulate, could it be that that is actually robbing you from the life that you want to live? One handful of rest is better than two fistfuls of labor and striving after the wind. If we're going to operate with the scripture in mind as we approach the Christmas season this year, okay? And we have this scripture anchored and burned into our hearts. One handful, better than two fistfuls. Then I want you to take a couple of practical actions. And I'm just going to call out some practical things and we'll see how far we go because I want to wrap up in communion and consider all that God has done for us. If a handful is better than two fistfuls, then I encourage you to say this with me. Toss it out. Toss it out. Your life doesn't consist in the abundance of the junk that you have in your walk-in closet. 
or in the garage that your car doesn't fit in because all your stuff is there. I always find that like perplexing. I grew up in an apartment like, you know, I remember we lived in a studio apartment. Me and my mom shared a bed, you know, all that wonderful stuff as a kid. And then, you know, I got graduated and I had my own room. By the time I was like, I don't know, five or six, it was amazing. I thought like I was promoted in life. I don't have to sleep in the same place my mom sleeps. Love you, mom. But, you know, I want my own bed. Okay. And then you graduate from there and have all this. But I grew up in the apartment buildings, right? So all the cars are outside and then cars are getting towed and different things are going on. You know, I always thought, you know what? Wouldn't it be awesome one day to have a garage where we can put the car inside and don't have to be outside? Son, can you go outside and help me get the car ready? I got to go to work. Go scrape the ice off the car. Wouldn't it be awesome if I didn't have to do that? Some of y'all just have a garage for the stuff that you can. You know, the car's outside. You got to go out and scrape every single day. If that's your choice, that's your lot. Amen. God bless you. No judgment. But I remember growing up in those apartment buildings, and I used to hate going outside. I didn't do it all the time, but every once in a while, we got to go to church. We got to go somewhere else. You know what? Hey, contribute. Son, contribute. Help out. Don't just go sit in the car and get warm. I'm cold, too. Go scrape the snow off the car. Wouldn't it be nice to have a garage? Don't have to do all that. Praise the Lord. I got a garage today. I think it's amazing. Me and my wife are trying to work hard not to keep that thing filled with junk. We got a bunch of stuff in there that I got to take the goodwill and give away. I'm like, that corner is starting to grow. I need to hurry up and go because pretty soon my car might be crowded out. I don't want to do that. But a handful is better than two fistfuls. We've got to go through and realize some things in our lives we got to toss out. Maybe it's time for us to get rid of some things. To get rid of some things within our inventory. I'm reminded of the story of the rich young ruler. Mark chapter 10. If you go there in your Bibles. Mark chapter 10. This man shows up before Jesus. He's young. He's, you know, up and coming. He's got, you know, some potential. He's amassed some things in his portfolio. And he shows up before Jesus and says, hey, master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Oh, you've got to do all the commandments, basically. You know what? Don't steal. Don't do this. Don't do that. Yeah, I've done all those things since I was a boy. I'm a good Hebrew boy. I've done all those things. I've listened to the Mosaic Law. I'm good there, but yet, what must I do? Ah, one thing you're missing, young man. One thing you're missing. Verse 21. Go and sell all your possessions. All you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. In other words, young man, you have a lot of stuff, and that stuff, oh man, that stuff dominates you. You've got a lot of things. More is not better. You've got so much, what you are lacking is the thing you most need. You have, you know what, all these possessions and all of the satisfaction in your life based on the things that you've got. But I'm sorry to say, young man, your stuff won't fill a spiritual void. You've got a whole bunch of material things. 
But yet what you're lacking is something spiritual. You came to me asking the right question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? But yet you cannot find the answer to that question in the things that you possess. You will only find it in the spiritual. Go get rid of that stuff. Go toss it. Then come back and follow me. The Bible tells us that he walked away sad. If that's me, my bad. He walked away sad. He wasn't indignant. He wasn't irritated. He wasn't fuming. He walked away sad. Why? Because. You got that mic? I'll take that mic, please. Um, he walked away not angry at Jesus, but he walked away sad because he realized, I have a problem. I asked for the solution. He gave me the solution. But I'm not ready to submit to the solution. It's very different than getting mad. He walked away sad. It's almost as if, if a doctor told you, hey, look, you've got this medical issue. Nancy, you've got this medical issue that you need to resolve. And you know what? Good thing you came to me because I know what is this medical issue. And here is the procedure that we need to do in order for you to actually overcome this issue. I'm going to do this and this, this procedure, that procedure. The preparation time is this. And this is what you got to do. This is what you're not going to be able to eat. And this is the fasting schedule. This is the preparation for your body. And then this is the recovery time. And all of these things the doctor outlines for you and says, okay, here it is. And then you walk away sad because you say, Doc, I know my problem. I know the prescribed solution, but I'm not ready emotionally, spiritually, physically, you know, whatever, financially, to do what you're asking me to do. So we walk away sad. This young man walked away sad because he could not toss. He could not get out of the dominion of the stuff that he had. He thought that maybe his gadgets, his gazebos, his galardos was going to bring him the fulfillment and the satisfaction. But yet the reality is that he needed something spiritual. He didn't get it. and He walked away. I wonder, why is it so hard for us to get rid of some of our stuff? Have you thought about this? Why is it so hard for us to let go of our stuff? To just say bye-bye, see you later. Some of you have got t-shirts older than I'm alive. Some of y'all got t-shirts from bands and rock concerts and stuff that like you don't even care for that music anymore. But you've got it in your closet. Some of us hold on to class notebooks, like the notes you took in class. You've never opened the book. I see some people going like this. I got some of those at my house. I'm like, what, what, why is it here in the closet? I was thinking about this this morning. You know, I have this um, Blu-ray player with the home entertainment system with the speakers. The speaker wires are way too short. And you know what? The Blu-ray player is so outdated with firmware that I can't even update it anymore. And I'm like, why is that thing in my office cabinet closet? When I get home today, you ask me next week, next time you see me, did I get rid of it? Because I got to get rid of that thing. Why is it so hard for us to get rid of our stuff? 
Now that we can stream things on demand, why are there boxes of VHS tapes in your basement? Anybody? Maybe there's some, you know, that's home videos and, and of the kids. All right, just go convert it. You can't even, do you even own a VHS player? You have CDs. God bless you, brother. I thought you were going to say I have floppy disks. <sighs> CDs, good. You can still, you, you got floppy disks. Where do you find a computer with a floppy disk drive? I hope you have one. But okay. I think one of the reasons why we don't, get rid of some of our stuff is fear. We're afraid that we might need this stuff in the future. I might need this in the future. I don't know how you're going to need that shirt that's got holes in it, but maybe you're going to need it in the future. This is especially true if we've grown up in poverty or if we come from a lack mindset or if we have lack in our, in our history, dearth in our history, then we, we go through life and we're like, you know what? You never know what tomorrow is going to bring or what's going to happen. Maybe I need to hold on to this because I might need this. For some of us, it's, you know what? I'm going to get this and that. I, I remember there was a point in time in my life where I used to wear like different watches and not the great watches. You know, I can't afford the Rolex yet, Anthony. No. Nor, nor do, I, do I want, I don't know if I want, but anyways. I got like, you know, the fossil watch, the, the, the you know, gifts, you know, sterling or something like that. Someone gave me one. All right, I got all these different watches. And I got so tired of having to go spend 10 bucks or 15 bucks every time the batteries went out. So I went out and I bought a whole bunch of tools to how to do it myself. I think I changed the batteries on my watch like two times in my life. And then I kept going back to the store and having them replace the battery for me. Sometimes we have a lot of stuff. Maybe we had a, a, a lack mentality. Maybe we have this control aspect. I don't want to go depend on somebody else. So I'm going to get all the tools so that I can do it myself. But then you don't realize that all the stuff that you just amassed, now you got to organize. You got to maintain. You got to take care of. You got to, you know, make sure it's in working proper order. And then you have to spend time working on it and doing things with it. And then you lose out time on doing other things and being with the people you love and the things that you got to do. Why? Because I'm over here maintaining my stuff. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's control. Maybe... It's sentiment. But before I get to that, with the fear aspect, when we are holding on to things because we're afraid, what does that say to everybody else, and especially to God? You have a problem with trust. You're holding on to all these things because you're afraid you might need it, but you're, you're, you're doing like the Israelites. You're collecting two days worth of manna when God says, I'm going to give you manna every single day. And if you take more manna than you need today, it's going to rot in your storehouses because I only want you to take enough for the day. I want you dependent and trusting on me. When I keep everything because I have fear, I'm declaring to God I have a problem trusting you, Lord. I'm afraid that you won't come through when I need you to. I'm afraid that when I need sustenance, you're not going to provide me the bread that I need. When I need, Lord God, to be able to pay this bill, that you won't be the one that provides me the wealth that I need to go ahead and pay the bills. That you're not going to show up in the moment of my need. I'm going to keep all of these things because I don't trust. 
The second thing or third thing is uh, sentiment, right? My kids go to daycare, and um, every day there's this folder I got to check when I go to pick them up. It's their projects folder. And every single day, almost without fail, there is something in that folder that I need to take home. You know, a little art project, a little this, a little that, something that they did. It's a Veterans Day. It's Memorial's Day. It's this day. It's that day. It's just a regular Tuesday. And there's a little project that they did, and I got to take it home. And so some of us, we don't throw away some of our things or toss it because of sentiment. Let me say, my house could be very full of stuff. But can I tell the truth in church? Yes, maybe? Okay. We, my wife and I, okay, let me say we, we toss out a lot of stuff. A lot of the stuff the kids make. Now, before you pick up stones to stone me, let me just say, we take pictures of it, and we keep some of the good things, all right? Some of the really memorable things, you know, we keep them so that we can do it, but we take pictures so that we can go down memory lane with the kids later on. Oh, look at this. Look at what you drew. Isn't it amazing? Oh, Daddy, can I have that? Can I see? Oh, I don't know where it went. Well, I'm sorry. I do know where it went. We don't have it, but we have a picture. And so... We get rid of some of, of these things because we don't want to be sorting and stacking. I won't have enough file cabinets. I won't have enough boxes to keep all the stuff. And then I'm going to put it in the basement. It's going to get, you know, with time, who knows what condition. So what's the point of all that? We get rid of some of the things. There's a lady on Netflix that talks about, you know, you got to organize your stuff. You got to look at it, pick it up, say, thank you for, thank you for serving this purpose. I love you. I bless you. Now go away. I, I don't know who she is, but I, I saw a trailer one time. I'm like, this lady's talking to stuff, which is really weird. Go to the next, the next show. But some of us, we need to start doing that. God, thank you for bringing this into my life when you brought it into my life. And I thank you that it served a purpose. And now, God, I'm going to give it away. And some of the things that you got to give away, please give it away to the trash man. Because nobody else needs it. This is the friendship bracelet that I got in the kindergarten. And it realized and it promised and it showed me that, you know what, I am worthy of love. And somebody does care for me. And so I'm going to keep it. And by the way, who am I going to give this to? Nobody wants that tattered thing. Thank God it served a purpose. And now move on. This is the, this is, oh, Natalia, this is the underwear that Micah used when he finally figured out how to potty train. And this is the first time that he actually went by himself and we're going to keep this thing and we're going to cherish this thing. Oh, and by the way, he missed a couple of drops. It's on the underwear. We haven't washed it because it's sentimental value. No. Toss it out. This is a hypothetical. We don't have that, Okay. Like some of the things that we're holding on to, the sentimental value, okay, great, it served a purpose, now move on. Why? Because life is not the abundance of things you own. Better is a handful of rest than two fistfuls of striving after the wind, of keeping this and keeping that. Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Do these commandments. Done those, Jesus. What else? Sell your stuff. Come follow me. Why? Because this young man had a problem. He could not let go of his stuff. He was just trying to amass, amass, amass. And so the second thing I would say to you, if two 
fistfuls is less than one handful, then I want you to, this season as you approach Christmas, can you promise me something? You're going to shop less. Shop less. I told you it's very practical. A lot of people can admit that, you know what, they go shopping because it gives them a thrill. It actually gives them some semblance of control. It actually makes them feel good about themselves in that moment, even though they don't have the funds in order to sustain that shopping lifestyle. Some people go and they shop and put it on credit. They say, I'll gratify now and I'll pay for it later. And they keep paying for it again and again because they don't have the means and the ability to do so. But Psalms 119 says this in verse 36. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Worthless things. Things that won't bring us value. Yes, we need basic necessities taken care of. We've got dreams and aspirations. God wants to bless us. There is nothing wrong with God providing for us. And let me just say, going back to the rich young ruler, it's okay for us to enjoy the blessings God gives us. But when we make the abundance of those blessings what life is all about, we miss the boat. He wants us to trust in him, to follow after him. Let's get to a place where we're not looking at the abundance of things. The problem with the rich young ruler was this. He walked away sad because he could not do what the psalmist is saying. His eyes were looking at worthless things. He had made a worthless thing his idol. That's why the psalmist says, look to God in all of his ways. Find pleasure in his ways. When we find that amassing more, shopping more, going to get more, and it's all about more, 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 getting in, getting in, getting in, getting in, amassing and accumulating, then we are making an idol of our things, and we lose the one who deserves our attention and our love. Sell your stuff. He didn't say, go out there and shop more. He says, Go sell. Sell is the opposite of shop. I want you to get rid of, to, to give away. Go make a profit if you need to so that you can have, you know, uh, liquid funds that you can do other things with that are more important and worthwhile. But I want you to sell your stuff, not go shop for more. You've got enough, man. Go get rid of some of your things. Throw some of that stuff out, sell some of that stuff, and don't be so bogged down by it. The rich young ruler had made an idol. In this season, when we're going around, society tells us, go get more, go be about more. Do we need to just recalibrate ourselves and say, man, I've got enough of what I need, and I'd much rather focus on the things that are worthwhile? Show me to find pleasure in your ways. That's about relationship. That's about relationship. I have not gone to pray with somebody who's at their, you know, grave, bedside, whatever you want to call it. Life is drawing to a close, and we're praying and talking. We're, you know, going through some angst and some pain, some hopes, some dreams, and we're talking together, we're praying together, I have yet to encounter a person who will say to me, Pastor, I just wish that I had bought more things. I just wish that I had gotten that, that car that I, didn't, I still haven't been able to drive. 
I, I still, I just wish that I had just one more home. But most times when we start talking and reminiscing and going through the experience of their lives, what they start talking about and expressing is the relationships that they had, the, the, the memories that they made with their loved ones, the vacations they went on, or the things that they did, the memories that they were able to create with the people that they loved. Or the stress or the strain of not being able to have done some of those things with the people that they love. I was too busy doing this and too busy chasing the wind here that I lost this chance. I didn't value this person. I didn't, you know, hold on to what was worthwhile. I pressed more time seeking this and I forgot to press into the Lord. These are the conversations that I end up hearing versus, man, if I just had that one extra, you know, gadget. Lastly, if a handful is better than two fistfuls, then this season I encourage you to give more. Just give some more. And, and that, that is not just financial. That Give more. Give more of your time. Give more of your energy. Give more of your attention. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.17, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Consider that word, command. That's forceful. Command those who are rich. And by a show of hands here, how many of y'all think that you're rich today? Let me just see some hands. I need to know who I need to go talk to about some vision projects that we got to fulfill in the church. How many of y'all feel that you're rich? A few. Praise the Lord. How many of you guys drove here today? All right. All right. How many of you were driven here by a bus this morning or a subway system or a taxi cab? Very few. If you were able to drive here this morning, you're rich. How many of y'all get more than $2 Per day when you get paid at work. Let me see. Show of hands. You're rich. So he's not talking, you know, to Jeff Bezos or to Bill Gates or Elon Musk. This scripture is speaking to you and I. Because according, if we were to just zoom out and get a perspective of the world, we are blessed and rich beyond measure, guys. We are blessed when we live in this country that we are able to do things. We're able to go out there and work, and we do get paid. We are able to buy and put food on the table. We do have heat in our homes. Like, we are blessed beyond measure. We got Some of us got two cars, three cars, right? I remember shuffling one car between me and my spouse for a bit, and it was tough. When the car breaks down, it's tough. But then, you know what? We've got, we got more than enough. If we are able to use, you know, our phone to get things delivered to us at our house, we don't even have to go to the store to go shopping. We are rich. Come on. If you see that Amazon driver, just, just every time you see him, it's like, man, I'm rich. Maybe some of us are more, you know, uh, we need to have a reality check on that one. 
and spend a little bit less, but we are rich and blessed beyond measure. The command is this, command those in this present age not to be arrogant and put their hope in wealth because that's uncertain. Don't put your hope in the things that you can amass, the things that you're going to, to, to accomplish here, but put your hope and your blessings and your anchoring and your hope and your expectations in God. He's our hope. He's the one that gives us everything that we need. You know what? We don't have to feel guilty because God blesses us. But what we need to do is say, God, thank you for what you've blessed us. And Lord, I'm, I'm trusting in you. Whether I have a lot or a little, you are giving me more than enough and you're sustaining me. That's why Paul says, I've learned to be content in, in little and I've been content in plenty. God, I put my hope in you. Today. I just want us to anchor this thought in our hearts. It's better to have less than more. If more without God is what you're being offered, then you know what? You're not getting ahead. I'd rather have less and have God with me because that means I've got everything. If I've got the one that can do all things, provide all things, fulfills all things, gives all things, grants all things, that I know that I have everything I need in the moment of my need. And think about this, the rich young ruler. I want you to sell everything, give it to the poor, and come follow me. These are the words of the Savior to a man who was absolutely ready and willing to do the same. For his walking on earth was an example of just that. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that he, being equal with God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be taken advantage of. Oh, I am equal with God, therefore I am better than all, and I'm holding on to my privilege and what I possess as equality with God. No, it says that Jesus emptied himself. He sold it for you. He tossed it for you. He gave it up for you. He let go of all of that so that he could follow after the will of the Father who wanted to be reconciled to man. He was willing to follow the plan of his Father so that he could make reconciliation possible for all of us. And that's why we come to this table. I'm going to invite the ushers to come. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, invite the worship team to come on up, that Jesus Christ emptied himself, gave himself for us. You want eternal life, get ready to give. Don't make your life about the abundance of what you can accumulate. Let go. Have this attitude that was in Christ Jesus also. This is my body which is given for you. Oh, I can't give this away. I can't give this away. This, I've worked too hard for this. I spent too much. I've invested too much. And now I just have to see it through. This is my body that is given for you.
Do this in remembrance of me. I am giving up my privilege. I am giving up my position and status. I'm giving up the comfort of heaven. I'm giving up what I have enjoyed since the foundations of time. The knowledge and reality of always being in relationship and connection with the Father. I am letting go of the unity that I have, the love that I enjoy. I am suspending that for a season that I may take on flesh, that I may be made in the image of man. Philippians chapter two, go read it later. That I can be humbled to being submitted, me who am everlasting to everlasting, from everlasting to everlasting. I have always been, will always be. That's all I've experienced. I will submit myself to the experience called death. Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. This is my body that is given for you. I'm getting ready to lay down my life so that you can be called my friend. So that you can be reconciled to the Father. Rich young ruler, you can give up what you're giving. I gave up more. I'm going to give up more. but more will be gained. So Paul tells us that this is what Jesus commanded the disciples. This is what he is reminding the Corinthians. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is a new covenant between God and the people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. You do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. And in that setting, in the Corinthian church, people were thinking it was better to amass and to have than to give away. They were drinking for themselves and taking for themselves and overlooking the poor and those who didn't have it. And they couldn't even come to the table. So Paul says, hey, man, don't drink the bread uh, or eat the bread or drink the cup in an undignified manner. Because you're announcing the Lord's coming. You're announcing what he's done, what he's given away. Come on, give. Don't just be takers. Don't just be accumulators. But give and allow others to come to the table. Because this is about remembering what he's done for us. There's very few things that I remember that was given to me at Christmas's past or things that I remember giving away to others.
but the blessings of what God has orchestrated through people's lives and what he has orchestrated in mine, I remember those things. Christmas is about us not getting more stuff, but it's about us loving Jesus more, trusting in him more, receiving from him what is better, having a handful of rest and tranquility and relationship with him, then tossing and turning to get everything and all things. I'm going to invite you to stand with me today. As we come to this table to remember what Jesus has done, consider how he's inviting you to do something that he was willing to do himself. Give, give, give. We practice open communion here at CIC. That means if you've come into a relationship with Jesus, whether you're a member of our church or not, you could be a visitor or a guest with us today. But if you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, then we invite you to participate in communion. We invite you to spend some time saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins and my faultiness and my issues and my hangups. Wash me and cleanse me clean. You know, when we are in sin, we don't have to wait for a period of time for us to be made right before we come to God. We need to say, Lord, I'm filthy and I'm wrong and I'm broken. I need you. And that means we run to him at that moment. The longer I'm alive, the more I realize that the, the, the time frame between sin and repentance needs to get shorter and shorter and shorter. You don't come to this table because you're worthy. Oh, if I just give away more things. Some of us just think that we are good based on the matter of how philanthropic we are. It's not about that. Jesus says, go give it away. Come follow me. It's about following me. So if you've accepted Christ, we invite you to participate. If you would like to be served, just keep your hand up if you don't have it, and we will help you with it. Ushers, come on through. Keep your hand up until someone puts something in your hand. While they're doing that, maybe there's someone here and you feel like, I can't participate because I have not yet made this decision to follow after Jesus. Well, change that today. Say, Lord, Today, I want to start a relationship or restart a relationship. Today, I want to say it's not just about me chasing my own desires, but I want to follow after you, experience the life that you have purchased for me. I want to experience the forgiveness of sins. And I want to walk away excited as opposed to saddened. For you've outlined in your book the ways of life. I want to know the way, the truth, and the life. I want to say yes to the procedure, to the solution. 
walk away with you as opposed to walk away from you. If that's you today, then I want you to just, um, with everybody's eyes closed in this place, I just want you to lift up your hand. Say, that's me. I need to start a relationship with Jesus or I need to restart a relationship with Jesus because I've walked away. If that's you, keep your hand up high. I don't want to pray with you. I just want you to say, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Help me to live for you. You are the savior of the world. And I need you in my life. Come to my life to be also my leader. Help me to walk with you, for you, and not depart from you. For you alone have the words of life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Lift up the cup. Lift up the bread. Father, we thank you for what you've done for us. And I pray that you would right now in every life bring to heart and memory the moments of grace that you have afforded each person, where you've stepped in in protection and provision, in grace and humility, where you've provided direction and insight, wisdom and understanding. Father, I thank you that you have done all of these things through the giving of your son that reconciles us back to you and allows the Holy Spirit to make his abode with us, guiding us, blessing us, leading us. I thank you that you were willing to give up your body. Though you never sinned, to take on the punishment of sin that we may not have to do that ourselves. Lord, we thank you. Let's participate of the bread. If you have the cup, Father, we thank you that your son was willing to lay down his life give his body, but knowing that it was the blood that was spilt that washed and redeemed us from every spot of sin. What can wash us and make us white as snow? Nothing but your blood, Jesus. For the shedding of blood, there is remission of sins. Father, we thank you for the Son. Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness. Once and for all. Never to be done again. Never to be needed once more. It is all sufficient. Complete. And there is no enemy that can say, you just need something more. It's all right here, Jesus. 
We thank you. Let's participate. Can you give it up for Christ? Can you open up your lips and start worshiping him? This is how we're going to conclude today. We're going to spend some moments just saying thank you to Jesus. As the team worships, I invite the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. What is it that you need to toss up? What is it that you need to say, I need less of that in my life? What is God asking you to give for his sake and his kingdom? Let's just thank Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.